Get updated with the hottest news in insurance, finance, and the newest innovation in InsureTech and FinTech in these difficult times. Hear it from one of the most known and respected voices in the industry, Dr. Robin Kiera, and his guest of today. Hey guys, this is the third try. We tried to go live this time on LinkedIn with InsurTech and FinTech Live. I'm super happy that David Breer, our special guest of today, is still on board. I will not start with the first questions, how you and 11FS is doing, but I will go right away with the second one. Um, what do you, I mean, you to be able to share a little bit, a little bit about 11FS, it's like a 200 men and women strong company. It's far beyond uh, a startup anymore. It's like a, like one of the hottest consulting companies. Um, I think that's fair to say around. Um, what do you give insurance and finance professionals uh, around the world for tips how they could act in this situation right now? Uh, I, I think it's it's difficult. I mean, I don't want to be the British guy saying keep calm and carry on, but um, but it does feel like I mean the best thing that people can do right now is is really sort of keep their head. Um, you know, it feels like actually the whole world is uh, sort of losing theirs right now, and actually yeah. if we if we can really sort of come together as a community to try and do as much as we can to really keep the entirety of the the industry sort of moving forwards, then that feels yeah. like a good place to be. I mean, it's an interesting one because, I mean, startups and, and you know, big organizations, whether it's insurance or banking, seem yeah. to be sort of really coming together, which is which is excellent. That's so, good. you know, I, I hope that, um, you know, community comes out of this a lot stronger because yeah. the more that we can all keep doing together, the, the better things will be. But, I mean, I, I feel like the community is reacting pretty positively. Um, it looks to me like... Or, or what did you feel and see over the last days that really impressed you? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's very isolating for a lot of people working from home. And actually, I think what you've started to see is people really going out of their way, not just to worry about their own business, but actually the physical and mental health of, of actually everybody in the community, which is great. So, you know, you've got companies coming together to try and create solutions for people. You've got, you know, people creating great content for people out there to, to, to sort of keep people entertained. And, you know, I think um, that's what's really great about the InsureTech and the FinTech community is, you know, people are really there to move the industry forward. It's not just about putting money in people's banks. It's about actually helping people, which um, for me is the, the thing that's always excited me most. Yeah, and I think it really um, shows that we actually have great communities out there in the fintech and insurtech space, which includes also, also the incumbents. Um, uh, we have uh, also uh, some great experiences. But do you have a hack or a tip when you say there is a person out there, you know, was formerly, you know, it was, it was his or her team and now is isolated? Do you have like a trick? How are you guys doing it at 11FS to keep the company together? I mean, we're we're pretty good communicators at the best of times, but actually, I mean, at the worst of times, it's it's over communicating as much as possible. Um, we found actually the the things that people miss are not whether they can do their jobs or not. It's actually yeah. all the small connections in between doing the job. So you know, standing and having a chat with somebody in the the kitchen or you know, being able to pop out for for lunch with somebody. It's all of those things where you stay aligned and keep connected. Um, so there's, there's little things that we've been doing. I mean, we've, we've got a, um, Herma Google Hangouts channel in our Slack 
for 11FS where anytime anybody's grabbing a cup of tea or a, a coffee and want to sit down with other people, then you jump in there and there's 10 other people to sit and, and have a coffee with. Um, every morning, uh, Zoe and Steve from, from yeah. our team is broadcasting yoga because actually not just the weird thing that I found is, you know, sitting in the same chair all day. Um, you know, if you're in and out of meetings is one thing, but being permanently sat in the same spot is just not good for you. So, you know, how can you look after your, you know, your mental health, your physical health? And really, if you do both those things, you're going to be a lot more productive as well. Do you think it's a little bit the irony of history that things that only 10 days ago would have been, um, you know, um, um, said about really weird, like sitting in front of a computer, talking to your online friend and having a coffee, something totally weird 10 days ago. And now everybody's doing it. And, 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 and you, you will laugh. I have my like insurance friends in Germany, my insurance friends around the world. We do this also a weekly now and, and not only for lunch, but also like for after work. So yeah. it's really, it really has a function um, because um, and the funny thing is that in this moment of crisis, you even get sometimes closer to people you have not been closer before. You retweeted, you saw a person, you rushed at a conference and hey, I really like what you're doing. But now you actually have a in-depth conversation. And I think maybe this is also a more positive thing that, that communities come more together. Um, yeah, and um, I think that's a great thing. Um, what in, I think leading in these times, in these times is difficult. Um, the old hierarchical model, the boss comes into the office, or department lead, senior VP, whatever, uh, counts his sheep and then, you know, has the morning stand up and everybody, you know, reports. I think that's quite difficult in these times. Do you think that also leading has a different role now and, and how are you guys doing it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, if, if I'm honest, I think for the for the big companies who uh, I think the ones that are struggling most are more like that. I think it's it's less about actually having, uh, you know, video conferencing capability yeah. and being in a situation where you've got, um, you know, laptops for people that they can take home. It's more about actually having a culture that actually people can be trusted to do the work wherever they are. Um, yeah. You know, there's uh Uh, a number of people I always use as, as good examples in, in our office where, I mean, I miss them when I don't see them, but I don't really care where they are because essentially, yeah. and I don't mean that in a negative way, uh, you know, yeah, I, love, yeah. I love these guys, but but it's like, actually, if you trust your people to be wherever they need to be to do the work and you've provided the tool sets and the culture that actually allows those things to happen, um, then it doesn't really matter where they are. And I think to your point, I think that's the organizations that are probably struggling most is ones where it's a bit more autocratic. Uh, you yeah. know, there's a bit more of a sort of a, uh, a dictatorial setup where, you, as you say, the the leadership for me doesn't just come from the CEO. It comes from yeah. everybody around the organization. Um, but increasingly, I think, again, with, with startup culture is it's uh, power to the edges. You know, this is about empowering small groups of people within your organization to not have to scale those things up the, the pyramid, but to be able to make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis that move things forwards. Um, I think the minute where um, the complexity leads to too much governance, then essentially yeah. you're in a situation where you slow down and maybe that's the difference between a scale-up and a corporate, who, who can tell? Who can tell? I have a funny feeling that in a few years you might tell, be able to tell that. Um, <laughs> my, my question my question here is a little bit, um, you're not only um, like leading and, 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 and leading 11FS have built this uh, to, to the size it has, but you are super knowledgeable about the insurance and finance industry. Um, 
maybe can you can give us a little bit what kind of vibes are you getting from the industry from the uk but also from from other countries around the world yeah i mean uh, insurance was definitely my my sort of first love before banking uh you know i started out um working uh, actually uh, our chairman at 11fs used to be the ceo over aviva uh, and i worked albeit about a thousand levels below him when I was at Aviva at the time. So, I mean, insurance is just such a fascinating, fascinating industry. Um, I, if I'm honest, I think, uh, and, you know, I think insurance has been a little bit behind fintech for a while, but it feels like oh, actually... That's not a secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't want to just be rude, basically. But, yeah. uh, but I, I, I actually think the insurance space uh, uh, is catching up rapidly, and not just yeah. from the investment that's sort of coming into the market, but actually with the opportunities that are really sort of presenting themselves. So yeah. um, I think very similar arc of change within fintech, though, which is it isn't just about the startups. This is about really large organizations realizing that actually the way in which to service customers is fundamentally yeah. changing. Um, yeah. And because of that, the ability to unpack, you know, a couple of hundred years of how their products have been bundled and yeah. how they've distributed those those products. Um, you know, we say this very often about the banking senses. Banks often think that digital is just a, uh, a digital distribution for analog products. Uh, yeah. And I think insurance is now getting onto it, is that insurance isn't a product, it's a service. You know, yeah. there's a reason why financial services is called financial services. Um, and the more we can focus on how you provide that service on a day-to-day -day basis to drive benefit, the more benefit that the brands can drive from that, but right. also the consumers just infinitely benefit from that as well. So, you know, it, feel, it feels like we're at a great tipping point. And actually, if I'm honest with you, I think the bizarre silver lining of everything that's happening with corona is you know if if digital and self-service was ever going to be a thing it's because you literally cannot leave your house right so yeah. you know those organizations that have really got ahead of this and provided capability for people to you know self-service and be in a situation where they can yeah. stay in control um i think in these next couple of months are going to be the ones that will really win Yeah, and I see this in, 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 in twofold. First, uh, I see, um, especially in the insurance industry in Central Europe, I see insurers same size, same line of business, different corporate culture. One was trying to become more modern, more open, more agile, like really doing it. And others, you're not super hierarchical. And um, one now is already operational functional after one or two days of chaos. And then they were operationally fun functional. And the other one is still struggling. I'll go. You you may make you may make the guess which one uh, 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 did what. Um, what you described is a little bit that it's like a, a catalyst or a shortcut for innovation or for the historic development maybe uh, for these industries both that lagging behind um, others like e-commerce or social media and, and other platforms. Mm. Um, so so I think that's an interesting thing to 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 see. Um, do you have a few examples in your mind? You don't, you don't need to name uh, names, but of insurers and banks where you said, either they really surprised me in the last two years with this and that, or they have changed a certain thing and that's why they're winning right now. Are they what, that's why they will win in the future. Yeah, I think that, look, the advancements of, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's, um, 
the the great thing is it's not just one thing it's it's actually like yeah. a confluence of all of these different sort of forces because we're we're seeing you know regulatory change in in all of these spaces which is facilitating it um yeah. we're we're seeing to your point lateral industries like e-commerce or uh even just like retail technology um yeah. really change what people's expectations are for being able to do these things um and and very often it's it's sort of why can't i do that in my insurance space or why can't yeah. i do that with my bank that is actually driving the the desire for people to do these things i mean it's yeah. if you if you look at um even just from a telematics perspective actually the the advancements that we're now seeing with uh you know the technology around those things i, I mean i remember back in what was it 2006 putting telematics in in aviva uh, and it was a box about the same size as my torso, uh, literally bolted underneath the driver's seat of, uh, of a car. Um, now, actually, Aviva have got all of that capability built into a mobile app because actually wow, yeah. everybody carries around a supercomputer with them and, you know, accelerometers and GPS and all these things that are carried yeah. around. So things that just were not possible five years ago, things that were not even possible 18 months ago, and now being able to be facilitated through the power of that data. I mean, I, I have this and it tells my watch exactly what my heart rate is at 24 seven, you know, actually, yeah. the ability for health data, the ability for think, G GPS and travel data, yeah. all of these things can mean insurance can just be so much better than it is right now. Yeah, and I think uh, you touched an important point, the health part, uh, or the, the part of the, our industries, um, the banking financing a lot and in, in the insurance industry providing and managing all of that a lot. Um, I mean, imagine that now you go to a doctor in different countries, it's still the case, you go to Dr. A, he transfers you to Dr. B, but he doesn't have access to the data, your own insurance cannot give data out, they do not analyze data. I think our children, children's children in 50, 60 years will say, they will think about a medicine today like we think about medicine in the Middle Ages, like when they opened their aquarius. <laughs> uh, when a, a, a person did the diagnosis, not an algorithm, how yeah. dangerous is that? And we know studies that the treatment uh, and the success of treatments differ a lot from person to person, location to location. And I think um, we might, I don't know, I'm not an expert, but uh, probably, probably prolong our lives a lot longer. Maybe also the pandemic crisis we see right now is also a, a starting point to think about maybe data is nothing bad but maybe we should do massive data analysis on health data to you know find these things out yeah i mean it's 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 bizarre actually the i mean any form of artificial intelligence that, that can actually then do comparable data sets against each other to to yeah. do not just cause and effect but actually the impact of prescri prescriptions or you yeah. know any prescribed treatment what that does is huge i mean ibm watson have been running these studies for for quite some time now to look at actually is it better to have a computer or a uh, a doctor making the decision and the answer really sort of comes down to it's probably better to have an expert make the decision the first five times after yeah. that it's probably better to have a computer making it because yeah. to your point actually the significance of different data sets and actually understanding cause and effect uh, means that computers can just learn in real time at a data scale that we would never be able to uh, and probably i mean this is the interesting thing is your gp could probably very easily be replaced by a very very smart artificial intelligent uh, data set really really quickly because it's talking about triage into experts um 
you know, actually, could they then prescribe a very, a very, very minute thing? Well, I mean, your doctor's only going on the basis of the history of one person's experience. Or what happens just if you're going, other, you know, exactly. And what happens and, if you go on the experience of every doctor that's ever lived? Like, actually, think about that. that, about that. So it's, it's, it's very exciting, I have to say. I think, um, you know, data has always been a bit of an Aladdin's cave of, of opportunity. Um, sadly, it's only really been used to manage risk so far. Um, yeah. But actually, you know, as we move into an area of uh, really looking at much more preventative insurance than actually uh, sort of restitutional, then it, it kind of feels yeah. like actually the opportunity is huge. But maybe we have also been doing a bad job in communicating because everybody was about data and privacy and I don't want that, you know, the world knows what my medical history and we have not played the, 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 the story of we can save lives, we can make yeah. you, you living longer with this. And I think everybody who has been sick themselves or had a child that's been sick or a parent that has been sick and if you in the moment, you don't care about uh, privacy or data privacy you just want that this that this person lives and i think uh, when we can as, as an industry or industries banking finance we also need to communicate a little bit better um, I, i mean i i honestly think on that i think there's a, there's actually going to be a whole industry that spawns out which is um big data anonymization because yeah. essentially um my if my data is truly anonymized from me you can have every piece of data that i that i have yeah you know, like i'll let you know all the weird things you know what i mean like so long as you want to anonymize it then it's it's actually absolutely fine and and really it's it's almost the um the value of that to the economy the value of that to society is is huge because yeah. to your point it could save children's lives it could save people you know it could completely change society if actually yeah. it's a mandatory thing that you give up your data and it's anonymized in a way that protects your identity Yeah, totally. And uh, but we totally forgot to mention that everybody is watching now around the world actually can also, of course, comment and ask us questions. I forgot this, um, that you are technical problems at the beginning. But now we, so guys, if you girls, if you really want to say and ask something, uh, please do. We will be here for several more minutes and we will see what you say. I, I have you guys here. So um, we now dreamt a lot about what is possible with data in the future. But at the same time, in Europe, they shut down and, and limited the resolution and the bandwidth of Netflix and other streaming um, services. Doesn't this crisis actually also show that we have not been investing enough in digital infrastructure? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's a sense of prioritization, really. I, I think. Um, I think rather than um, rather than them sort of. I mean, there would be uproar if if uh, Netflix got turned off right now with everybody sort of sitting at home, right? But uh, but I, I do I do feel like um, I feel like it's probably just a prioritization to ensure that uh, the most critical things that need to be yeah, uh, being served on the internet are being served. Um, but it is an interesting point. I mean, a lot of um, a lot of people while are now at home and have a laptop and have access. Um, the amount of rural areas still who have incredibly poor Uh, broadband connectivity. I mean, cent central London is actually pretty in incredibly poor when it comes to uh, broadband connectivity. And you think how much of uh, the, you know, schooling is closed now, so kids need to be at home. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, is, is connectivity and data connectivity, particularly when it comes to, you know, 4G and broadband, is it yeah. becoming as important as gas and water and electricity these days? 
Yeah, that's that's a, I think a discussion politicians need to have. But I think it, I thought it was just funny. Then then people are, first I thought thought it was funny that when people are home, Netflix goes up. I'm like, guys, maybe we need to also to work a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that it was this small um, change, and you really have this uh, this bandwidth issue. It's great that they did it and that they really did it. And I think there's also a whole debate about net neutrality and why should actually big corporations take large parts of the internet and not pay for it. But again, I'm not a politician. I actually don't mind as long as everything goes stable and we all can work and create value for for other people but netflix is i think a great great topic and maybe we are there also to where we started um now thousands millions of people in america hundreds of millions of people are not going to their offices their corporate offices that they're going from their home i think london is a great example i know so many people commuting commuting hours and hours to the to the to the inner city um and now, you know, instead of commuting, commuting, uh, um, we had April Rudin on our show a few days ago, and she said, you know, you have the choice between commuting, commuting, and jogging, jogging uh, jeans on. You know, so where do people ever return to the to the? Will we see corporate headquarters full of people in the future? Uh, I mean, I, I hope this does spear huge change. Um, not just actually in the the sort of cultures of those organizations, but actually, if you just think from an environmental perspective, the amount of good yeah. that this is actually yeah. doing. I mean, we've we've seen uh, you know farmers um, really showing that actually just the level of uh, you know uh, bad things in the atmosphere is dramatically dropping. You know, there's there's reports of you know in Venice the water never being so clear. So you know, I, yeah. I feel like actually. Uh, purely from an environmental perspective, then I hope this does change things a little bit. You know, I I could, if you could see a, uh, you know, everybody always tries to do dry January, don't they, in January. Uh, Could could this lead to a, a, you know, a a month where everybody just works from home? Because I I think the the thing that I'd hope, if I'm honest with you, beyond the environmental side of things, is that actually, back to my point earlier on around, do people really trust their people? Um, Yeah. You know, for the ones who are not uh, just sitting there watching YouTube and Netflix right now, and the ones who are really, you know, well, I mean, us is fine. This is educational, right? But, um, you know, finding people who are, uh, I think it doesn't matter where people are, if you've got the right people in your company and they take accountability for the things that they're there to do, um, then hopefully people are finding that they can actually trust a bunch of people that they didn't know if they could before. Yeah, I think I think that's that's an, an important point, and maybe also the 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 last point at the end because I know you have are pretty busy, and we can be we are really very you know happy that you 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 are on the show right now. But maybe as a as a as a main point, what do you think we will take away from this uh, yeah crisis situation, and and what will we take away in the insurance and finance industry? Uh, I mean, I think on a personal level, I think a lot of people are are realizing just how fragile humanity is. Um, to your point, 10 days ago, would we have thought, you know, our governments would be mandating we don't leave our house? Uh, not really. Uh, yeah. I mean, in January, nobody even knew this thing really existed. So, you know, the, the the scale of this in terms of where we're going, I think the blowback, I think everybody's underestimated the blowback of this anti-expert thing. Um, and the reality of a lot of people still not adhering to, you know, governmental requirements around uh, isolation is yeah. a really, really, really interesting thing. I think from an industry perspective, um, actually, whether it's, you know, financial services more broadly uh, or insurance as well, um, I think what we're going to kind of come back to is like 
I mean, we told you digital was a thing, right? It's really funny. Yeah. I just got a WhatsApp this morning from the C-suit of a super large insurer. And he said, Robin, uh, you have been right after all, haven't you? And I'm like, I'm not going to. Well, yes. Yeah. So, um, and, and a lot of other people too. Um, and yeah. I think it shows it. And the funny thing is maybe one more nerd topic at the end. Um, you know, it was always that you have isolated IT systems in bunkers. That's safe. No, it's not safe. It's vulnerable. And I think also my friends from, you know, people running as, uh, cloud companies, I think that's also a topic we need to address sooner than later. Do you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, there's a difference between uh, how people are now essentially, you know, redrawn into the bunker. Um, yeah. The, the, the real tell, I think, is going to be between those organizations who have learned from this and who haven't, really yeah. what their, their attitude is uh, when when actually things start to calm down a little bit. Because inevitably, we're going to see a, a pretty, you know, pretty significant crash from a financial, pers uh, a financial perspective globally. Um, and actually, I mean, to, exactly to your point, Robin, actually, nobody likes somebody who says sort of, I told you so. But no. uh, I, think, I think when it comes to digital, I think digital cannot be more important now because digital isn't it isn't about actually as i was saying earlier on it isn't a, it isn't a fad or a trend yeah. this is like and the way that this stuff is done you know and, and i think what's super important is not now not to say i told you so and do the i told you so tense but really say these are the concrete tools we use that are proven that work yeah. time out don't worry we are here to help you guys and that's what the show is all about share best practices share ideas share estimations and not gloating that's not it's really really um, um share empathy is a is a skill set that uh, everybody has to have for sure and uh, i think um whether it's a, a small organization or whether it's a, a really large one i think um empathy for what everybody's going through right now is a is a real thing david i think that's why it's been a brilliant last sentence at this show thank you very much for being here for taking the time i wish you the very best and uh, stay safe stay healthy and uh, see you see you next time thank you and, and